I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again. I love my uh, Saturdays when I actually try to think about what I'm going to say on Sunday. And it came to me yesterday as I was uh, going over this with Brenda that, you know, when you come to read the Bible and you come to worship, if you get to the end of reading a chapter or so in the Bible and you say, well, I know what that means, but do you know what it means here? Does it take root in your life? Are you changed by what you've read? And when you come into church, it used to be customary, and at least twice when I was growing up, that um, when the candles are lit, everybody sort of calms down as in prayer. And we got to church, not mentioning anybody in particular, usually 10 minutes before the service begins, so you can be restful in prayer. Candles are lit, that means basically, if you can. We've walked away from that custom, many of us. Many of us get into church quite tardy. I won't mention names, my wife for long. Um, but it, it, we're called to worship dignified. We're called to be in a, a, a good place to hear the word of God. And then for that word to take root and manifest itself in doing what God would have us do. So ask yourself when you come in to worship on a Sunday morning, or if you come to Bible study, ask yourself, am I right to do this right now? Am I going to be able to concentrate on what I'm doing? Am I in the right place? Am I ready to worship? And then when you leave, as you get up to go out into the world, ask yourself this. What have I learned today to make me a better person? Because every time you pick up the Word of God or hear the Word of God, it should have a change in your very being. If it doesn't, you might as well do what I used to do occasionally in Ocean City, New Jersey, and sit on my my porch with a chocolate eclair and a hot cup of coffee on Sunday before I went to church. But you should, you know, if, if church doesn't do you any good, you shouldn't go to church because you're not, all you're doing is taking up space. But if you feel so church is changing you into a better person, then you should be in church. You should be in church also for another reason, too. Sometimes we're in a bad place where we just lost our job, you know, something's just going wrong in our lives. But there are people here in this church who are very much up on a Sunday, and everything's going good for them. So the uppers pick up the downers, if you will, and help them in their worship. Today is Gaudet Sunday, also known as Rose Sunday. And originally, back around, I think it's the 1400s, this time period before Christmas was actually 40 days like Lent. And then some pope changed it to be the, as we know it now, starting on the fourth Sunday on out from Christmas. So it's a lot shorter than it used to be. But it was meant to be, in the beginning, a penitential season equal to Lent. We don't like penitential. We don't like to be serious. We like to smile and have fun and, and just let's leapfrog right through Advent to Christmas. I mean, they did it in Walmart. That they, and I, I don't, I think it was September, I started seeing Christmas things on out. 
and people buy that stuff. And people celebrate. There's nothing wrong with celebrating Christmas, but do it for the right reason. Sure, we like to have those pretty boxes underneath the tree. Who doesn't? We're going to have a big tree this year, albeit a fake tree. But we're going to have a big tree, and we're going to have presents under the tree. But the real gift of Christmas is your journey through Advent to become a better person. If you're on the journey, congratulations. You'll make it to Christmas, and you'll wake up with a renewed spirit. If you're not on that journey, then you'll wake up and you'll go, where are my presents? That's all that counts. When I wake up on Christmas morning, I just lay there, and I'm thankful. I don't think about presents. I think about the blessings I have. My wife, who has had 36 blissful years with me. And, uh, you know, we think about the blessings we have. If you're thinking about the material things you think you may need, you're in the wrong place spiritually. Rose Sunday means to rejoice. Today we lit the rose-colored candle, despite the otherwise somber readings. Uh, the last, you know, I mentioned it on Sundays here. We had the, in my opinion, I want to be into the gospel lessons that anticipate Jesus. I didn't want to be into the Lent readings, in my opinion, that's what they are. But today is a transition day, if you will. It is taking us from those somber readings to more transitional means. And it's focusing on the coming or what Jesus is doing. And so I rejoice in being able to read those readings today and yesterday. The Isaiah reading, verse 3, the fear of the Lord. Do you fear God? In Proverbs it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I fear God. I fear my mother. But I love my mother. And I love God. But fear is, if you, fear, if you love somebody, you fear getting them upset. You fear getting on the wrong side of them. Because you love them so much, you don't want to do anything that would bring bad things to the person you love. We love God. We fear him because we don't want to do bad things. We want to live the right way. Um, the fear of God is reverence of God. If you turn in your pew Bibles to page 1008, it's Hebrews 12, Therefore, let us be grateful for the receiving. Brian, could you read this for me? I've got on the wrong glasses. Brian? Brian. Would you read this for me? I've got on the wrong glasses. Sure. It's marked right there. What verse is it? It's Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God 
acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. You know, when you, you sing some of the hymns that, out of the 40s uh, hymn book, and we sing some of the other ones, they're beautiful hymns. They should stir you. That colic, the first Sunday of Advent, stir up Sunday. The hymns should stir you to, to there's some really good hymns. We should, and as we sing those, we should come alive. The reverence in all is exactly what the fear of God means for Christians. Our worship of God should bring about change in us. If it has no effect on us, well, I've already said that. If it has no effect on us, we're not changed. You know, it's, sometimes it's hard in church to actually hear and, and, and you know, listen to the words and then take root with them. Sometimes we've got things that are weighing us down so much that we can't pay 100% attention. And so what you do as we come into worship, again, it's like the horses have those blinders on and say, Dear God, I have ears to hear. May I hear what is being said, read, whatever. And may I just focus on it. It's hard, I know, because I've been in the fuse before sometimes. It's hard. But unless we do that, we really won't hear in our hearts the word of God. So in the gospel lesson today, actually it starts off with the uh, uh, second uh, verse. If you will go to the first verse, I always read, I want to know where Jesus is when he's delivering these messages. And it came to pass, first verse, when Jesus had made an end of the commanding of his, uh, made an end of the commanding his 12 disciples, that is, he was giving them instruction, he departed thence to teach and preach in their cities. What are their cities? Anybody know? Galilee. So he's in Galilee as this goes on. Now John, John the Baptist, I wonder how he felt. He was older than Jesus. He was his cousin. And here his mission in life is to play, from my words, not anybody, second fiddle, if you will. He's to proclaim this young guy the Messiah. But he's sitting, rotting in prison. And so he sends his disciples, and incidentally some of his disciples became followers of Jesus and his disciples. Now John heard in prison the works of Christ, and he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou thou should come, or do we look for another? Now, you, you, you'd think, certainly I would, I think, his mother told him what he was going to do. He's been out baptizing and whatnot, but yet he's unsure of who Jesus is. Maybe he's so awestruck that Jesus is out doing all these things that he wants to confirm, yeah, are you really the one? I'm getting so excited here because I'm going to lose my head pretty soon. Not figuratively, really. Jesus had answered and said, now John, when he heard the presence of works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show, your, show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the 
lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, a good Jew back then would say, that all sounds familiar, because, well, isn't that in Scripture? Oh, wait a minute, it is. It's in Isaiah 35, 5, and 6, found on page 595 in the Bible. Brian, call the duty. Which verse is Okay. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. So Jesus was fulfilling Scripture. But I've said this before, you cannot have the New Testament without the Old Testament. The Old Testament, certainly in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew wrote his Gospel to the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, if you will. So in writing his Gospel to them, he often refers to the Old Testament. So they'll say, ah, yes, that was, that was from Isaiah and whatnot. And blessed is he who whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning him, What went ye into the wilderness to see? A reed shaking in the wind? But what have you, have you seen? A man clothed in soft raiment? No, those are the clothes of the kings. Purple, for instance, is a royal color. John the Baptist was scary looking. Now, I, I, they say he dressed in animal hides and probably had long hair flowing all over. He's the type of person you'd look at and say, I don't want to meet you up in an alley late at night. You know, he was scary looking. He didn't care the way he looked. He cared what Jesus was to people. Because, you see, he again was second fiddle. He was proclaiming the Christ. Now, you would think... Certainly, I would think that God got John the Baptist, a weird-looking person, to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. And also, he picked out 12 of the, not the greatest people in the world as far as, you know, brains go. He picked out 12 ordinary people to become extraordinary. So what's the message in there for us? What's the take home for us? The take home is this, if he can pick out the John the Baptist to proclaim the Messiah, and multitudes of people come to hear him and to be baptized. And if he can pick out these disciples who are Less than ordinary, if you will. And then we sit here, much better prepared to do God's work. So the fair question for you to take home today, since you're, you have these skills, what are you doing with them? 
You know, I, there was a book out years ago. I think it was called The Uncomfortable Pew. And in that book, the gist of it to me at the time when I read it or what I remember today is this. We as pastors and priests are not called to give you a comfortable pew, although our pews are fairly comfortable, I'll give you that. We're called to shake you up occasionally and to say to you, as I'm saying to you today, we're all blessed. What are we doing with our blessings? That's an internal question for you to take home today. The way home from church every Sunday, we have a post-mortem in the car. And, and I, I'm not alone in this. Every priest I know or pastor I know who's got a wife goes through the same thing. So Brenda will tell me, she'll say, well, so you're so blessed, what are you doing with it? That will be her question today. I've got an answer for you, and I'm going to give it to you now. Let's say a little prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, be with us. May we count our blessings and not our wants. May we rejoice for the little things in life. The waking up, putting our feet on the ground, having, walking to the refrigerator, seeing it full of food. May we look at the love of those who are with us and rejoice that we love and we are loved. May we look to your word to find the right way of living in this world. May one day when we're all together in that heavenly place, may we count our blessings even more as we are with you and with all those whom we love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.